0: Hello, hello, esteemed listeners. It has been a while.
1: It sure has, Owen. Almost two years, even if I'm remembering correctly. What happened? Where the hell have we been?
0: Well, not much has changed, Sammy. We are still students, seniors now even, and there's still that ever-looming COVID-19 pandemic.
1: Well, of course there is, but they already know that they're experiencing it themselves, for heaven's sake. But what they really want to know is, where have we been? What's been going on?
0: Whoa, slow down, man. We will get to that. Sorry, everyone. What my co-host meant to say was that I, as always, am absolutely correct. The COVID-19 pandemic has been incredibly off-putting, but there is more to it than that. There's a glimmer of hope on the horizon.
1: What on earth are you talking about, Owen? A glimmer of hope? What does that even mean?
0: Well, stick around to find out, because in this episode, we will be discussing the pandemic, the rollercoaster of a journey it has been, and what to expect in the near future. I'm your host, Owen, joined by Sammy, my co-host, and this is, as always, How We Manage.
1: This program is brought to you by a group of students who may or may not know what they are talking about. In the following episode, a large number of topics will be discussed, including potentially controversial ones regarding the virus known as COVID-19. As such, we ask the viewers that if you are prone to spontaneous combustion at the mention of such content, please continue at your own risk. If we bring offense to anyone and their near-religious beliefs in COVID-19-related concepts, we sincerely apologize and hope that as the representatives of the Golden Whale Co., we can present any such topics in an unbiased and calm manner. Enjoy.
0: Welcome back, everyone. I'm your host, Owen, joined by my unbelievably good-looking co-host, Sammy. Hey, everyone. Uh, okay, then. All right, moving right along. We have a very special episode for you guys today.
1: That's right. We sure do, guys. Uh, it's been long, we But today we're going to be talking about the infamous virus, COVID-19. Uh, we're going to be talking about its past, a little bit about its present, and about its potential future. Uh, Owen, would you like to start us off with what this virus looked like initially?
0: Well, yeah, it sure has been overdue. In fact, the COVID-19 virus began all the way back in mid-December of 2019, over two years ago.
1: Unbelievable. Time really does fly. And you can, too, through the conception of our sponsorship of today. Red Bull, we can give you links.
0: (laughs) Same. Red Bull uh, didn't actually end up coming on board with us. What do you you mean? I sent you the email like (laughs) last week, dude. God damn. Why why don't you tell me? (laughs) Dude, I... (laughs) <laughs> I'm sorry, about Okay, but... <clears throat> but anyway, back to the topic at hand. COVID-19 flipped our lives, and moreover, the entire world upside down. We sat and watched along with everyone as our daily lives transitioned to a life of quarantine.
1: Well, it's no wonder that we've been gone for so long. So much has been going on.
0: That's right. Our lives were changing, and... <laughs> has the time shifted and a new chapter unfolded a chapter of boredom that sparked the creation of this podcast at a time when our daily lives were less predictable than our sponsorship licenses right sammy hey man, man. right sammy <laughs> I, I read my emails next time I'm sorry red no. bull did they said no kay? okay okay uh, but anyways um
1: better for worse COVID has shaped our lives And actually, now that you mention it, it is a great transition to the introduction of our guest for today. You might know from her involvement in the fight against COVID-19. Or you might know her
0: from her participation in Utah's public health department.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, please let us introduce our guest for today. Someone who
0: actually knows and understands things, unlike us.
1: Dr. Hoffman, the Deputy Director of the State Department of Health.
2: Hi. Hi. Thanks for having me. Yeah.
0: Glad
1: to have you on. Thank you for joining us.
2: You bet.
0: Yeah, great to have you on, Dr. Hoffman. Now, can you tell us a bit about yourself? From what I understand, you are not just an amazing doctor and director, but you are also a normal human being who does normal human being things. Absolutely. Osmond does. What? Osmond does. Go ahead. Sorry.
2: Well, you know, it's hard to feel normal after all of this. We haven't felt normal for a long time, but the things that make me feel normal, I love to cook food from all over the globe and serve it to family and friends who appreciate my cooking. I love spending time with my family and traveling, getting ready to go to St. Martin, one of the Caribbean islands That's awesome. in the next few days, and, and then Mexico with our kids and my husband, and we're going to celebrate our 25th anniversary. Yeah, we're all normal people normal lives in spite of all the things that COVID has thrown our way.
0: Yeah, so not only have you been out on the front lines experiencing the worst of what this pandemic has to offer, but you're also an amazing cook and mother.
1: That's a great point of view, Owen. I mean, more and more today, people are just taken for granted without consequence to their own lives and their day-to-day. It truly is important to understand all sides of a person and their circumstances.
0: I couldn't agree more. Now, our next question for you, Dr. Hoffman. What are you and your department experiencing right now in regards to the virus?
2: We're experiencing the lowest case counts we've had during the entire pandemic. It is honestly like taking our foot off of the gas pedal. After having it one, on for a long time. Uh, uh, two two plus years. Right. Oh my yeah, God. the amount of work that our public health system has put in to help support the entire state of Utah through the pandemic has been just tremendous. And all of our hospitals who are seeing these huge volumes of COVID patients, finally, there's a sense of relief that things have turned the corner.
1: And with that kind of idea of relief, like me and Owen mentioned earlier, uh, a sort of glimmer of hope is on the horizon. There's sort of been this notion of an endemic state circulating around the web recently. And Sammy,
0: you do know like a bit about the endemic. Could you just like summarize it maybe? For yeah, you yeah.
1: Uh, so from what I, from what I've been able to tell so far from our research, it is the transition from a pandemic to an endemic, which is sort of kind of like what we're experiencing with the flu right now. It's more static and there's not as much up and down as we're experiencing right now with COVID and all its mutations. Is that accurate? And can you
2: elaborate on that thought? Yeah, that's great, Sammy. An endemic disease is really one that's present throughout a specific area or population and it stays stable and predictable. And we hope that we're moving into that phase where enough people have either had the vaccination or had the disease, such that it's not gonna be a new virus for most people in the United States. And that means that we would expect people to kind of get sick at the normal rate, that we'd ordinarily get sick from something like the flu, or other right. common cold viruses but we aren't 100% yet but we're feeling pretty good that we're probably there we're on our way so we're, yeah we're having a
0: pretty good scenario um, but what does that mean in regards to our lives and what they have been and will become like ie mass sanitation shutdowns etc
2: it means that we've got to really focus in on the people who are the most vulnerable in our population which we've done all along uh, but Before the pandemic, we were really good about people who have chronic diseases, risk for immune deficiencies and other things that cause them to be more severely impacted by common viruses that wouldn't hurt you or me because we're healthy, but will hurt people who are more vulnerable, like people with those diseases or our really older folks in our communities whose immune systems just don't work as well as everyone else's and so, what I like to tell people is that they need to practice to the lowest common denominator in their group. So who's at the most risk? And so if you live in a house with your great grandma and she's got, she's on oxygen and she's in and out of the hospital, you probably wanna behave very much like you have throughout the pandemic to keep her protected. Even if she's been vaccinated, she's not had as good of an immune response to the vaccine because of her age and, how she feels and so you might want to mask around her that doesn't mean you don't have to you can ma- You don't have to mask when you go to school or other things but when you're with her you probably want to still put on your mask right. and be really careful
0: and to make it clear to everyone we are using me and Sam are using our questions based on the CDC kind of uh, way of it we'll link the description of what we used in the episode So,
1: speaking of the CDC could you kind of elaborate on who they are and what they've kind of been experiencing and doing for us during this pandemic
2: the CDC is a United States-wide agency of experts in what's called epidemiology and epidemiology is a public health discipline that is always monitoring disease patterns so that we're prepared to respond when something like this happens so they look at how frequent a disease is, all kinds of diseases, not just these infections but common diseases like heart attacks and cancer and opiate addiction and all kinds of diseases. They monitor the patterns of those disease to allow us to say oh my things are going off track here and we have to do something different. We have to respond in a different way and that's exactly what they've done in the COVID-19 response. They provided guidance to the entire state based on the science as it emerged. And, and right. it's really important to know that this was something new, so we didn't know. So we had to study it to make decisions and make recommendations.
1: And that's what their kind of guidelines have been based off of until this point?
2: That's right. They yeah. they always are constantly evaluating the science and making their best recommendations as a result of what they've observed through the science.
1: Right. And uh, from what I can tell from my research, again, uh, they appear to have three kind of risk areas, three levels, if you will. Uh, Could you elaborate on what those are and what defines those kinds of levels?
2: Yeah. So now that we're moving into this endemic, and we like to call it steady state because endemic's a little... Is it a pandemic? Is it an epidemic? Is it endemic? It's kind of confusing,
1: but steady
2: state. This is just what we're going to live with from here on out. And because of that, when we move into that stage, it's less important for people who might get COVID-19, but not get that sick. It's more important to focus on those who are going to get really sick and get into our hospitals. Our hospitals have been working really hard for two plus years. Sometimes those hospitals were filled with more than half of their patients in the intensive care unit having COVID. That means that people with other things weren't able to be seen and cared for in the same way because those beds were occupied. We've seen a lot of people burned out in healthcare and leaving the workforce. And so they have left people to take care of all of us when we get sick. And so the new CDC guidelines really focus in on numbers related to how many people with COVID are in the hospital? How many people are getting seriously sick and to go to the hospital or dying from COVID-19? And they're using that rather than cases for everybody, including you or me, who may not get sick, uh, to determine how to respond.
0: Right, and that's like, again, if you guys want to look at this yourself while you're listening, um, it's a great tool to kind of understand where like you live and what you need to understand in terms of um how dangerous or how highly populated that place is um do you think that like based on each zone um what do you think should be very very um very high responsibilities people should take determining on which zone they're in
2: sure so why don't we start with those in the higher risk areas okay so we've kind of got it broken down into people what you can do as an individual versus what we can do for the whole community. And and if you're an individual living in a county in the United States that is still at a high level of community COVID cases and hospitalizations, then you should probably be starting to wear your mask inside, just like we did throughout the pandemic, including when you're at school or in other indoor places, grocery stores, when you're out in the community. That not only protects you when there's higher levels but it also protects everyone around you and that's just really important and then if you are one of those high risk people like i talked about then you may want to avoid non-essential things going into crowded indoor spaces you might want to talk to your doctor about when you should take extra precautions you might want to have a plan if you experience symptoms of a disease like COVID-19 to get tested right away because we actually have really good treatments that can help you if you're high risk of going into the hospital or dying. And so we want you to have a plan to get tested right away so that you can get treated right away and maybe avoid some of the more severe outcomes of COVID-19.
0: Right. And in Salt Lake City, we're currently at a yellow level. So what does that mean for individuals here in Salt
2: Lake? So, in Salt Lake County, Salt Lake City, no longer in a yellow level would we recommend that you or me who's healthy and and walking around needs to mask in an indoor location. So when you go to school, you don't need to mask. When you go to the grocery store, you don't need to mask. But those really high risk people should still not only mask in those settings, but have that plan to get tested if they have symptoms so that they can access treatment COVID 19 and prevent going into the hospital or getting really sick.
1: Yeah, and uh, throughout my um, reading the guidelines, I noticed a real emphasis on the individual's access to at home testing and just government based testing. Can you tell me more about how you can get access to that and why it's so important?
2: Yeah, so. Testing has been a really critical part of our response to COVID-19. It helps us understand, like I mentioned, what the CDC does, what the state does in our public health department, is we count cases to understand how bad it is. And we can count cases because we have access to testing. The state of Utah, because we're in this steady state and there's a lot less testing that needs to be done because people aren't going to be sick anymore with this disease as much, We're closing a lot of the community testing sites actually by the end of March. All of the community-based testing that we've been operating free to the state of Utah and all of its citizens is going away. That means you're gonna use the healthcare system in a more normal way. If you feel sick, you're gonna call your doctor and they might be able to tell you where to go get tested or they might be able to test you where you're at in their clinic, in the hospital. Um, and then they will know that they have access, if you have the the disease, to give you treatments to help you uh, deal with the illness in a way uh, that helps you not experience the severe symptoms. Right, Um, there's also in the CDC, it also
0: mentions as a community, how can we help? And I'm kind of sitting here, I, I realized that like, we have new air filtrations in certain buildings and works and schools. Do you think by the time this ends, that they will still have to maintain those or will it be
2: something that they can kind of, you know, toss aside a of it? Well, first, Owen, oh, before I talk about filtration, I want to tell you about the most important thing that we're gonna do regardless of whether we're high, medium, or low, and that's to get as many people in the state, in the nation, and in the world vaccinated. And that's because we have these really effective vaccines. And until the whole globe has access to them, we're gonna keep seeing new variants come in and affect all of those really vulnerable people that we've been talking about. And so that is by far and away the number one thing that we can keep doing. Now we've learned a lot through the pandemic and for COVID-19, it was an airborne disease, meaning, A lot of the viruses, the cold viruses that we deal with, when you cough, your cough lands on a surface and you touch that surface and then you touch your eye or your nose or your mouth and that gives you the disease. That's a little bit of a problem with COVID-19, but more of a problem was that when you coughed, it stayed suspended in the air and all of the people around you breathed it. And so we learned that we had to improve our filtration systems, our ventilation systems. And for COVID-19, that still remains a really important strategy to prevent the spread. Uh, But more important still is vaccination. And then for all of the viruses, whether they're spread through the air or through the droplets that land on surfaces, is good hygiene. So washing your hands, um, covering your mouth when you cough, simple things that you probably have learned about your whole life. That we still got to yes, do. as a small infant.
0: <laughs> I
1: couldn't agree more. And to add on to that, throughout the pandemic, there have been so many beautiful organizations that have been helping others. And we've actually, at the Gordon Mill Co., we've teamed up with some people to kind of aid in this recovery effort. Um, can you tell us a little about them, Dr. Hoffman?
2: Yeah, I'll tell you a little bit about the Ronald McDonald House. So the Ronald McDonald House is a charity that provides housing for loved ones, parents, pregnant mothers, others who need housing while they're children or while they're waiting to go into the hospital to give birth um, until, while they're in the hospital so that there's a place to stay. So Utah serves a lot of uh, people from all, multiple different states, Nevada, Colorado, Wyoming. And So imagine if you had someone in the hospital And you didn't have anywhere to stay so they put up people to stay when they have loved ones in the hospital
1: and they've been doing that since before the pandemic right
2: they this is what they do and they've been doing it for many 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 years so
1: then how has the pandemic affected them and how can we help them in the recovery effort
2: so you know if you think about what happened in the pandemic if you just stayed home and with your close family then you weren't exposing a lot of different people. And so the Ronald McDonald House is a really big house that has a lot of rooms for a lot of people. And when you bring all those people together, there's a lot of risk uh, in terms of transmitting COVID-19. And they have a lot of, sometimes they have their, the patients staying there and they're really high risk. And so if there were certain circumstances, they actually had to, they didn't want to turn people away from being able to stay there They put them up in hotels throughout the entire pandemic so instead of relying on the big house they had to pay for a hotel for a lot of different families who came into utah in order to access services in hospitals
0: yeah and if you guys at home want to donate and if you are able to please do the link will be in the episode description and if you don't have money to donate right now that is perfectly okay you can still help by sharing on social media the exact link and guess what? That's doing your part by spreading the message and the fundraiser.
1: Really aiding in the recovery effort. It would mean the world to both me and, I'm sure, Dr. Hoffman as well. And, of course, our host, Owen.
2: And the Ronald McDonald
1: House. And the Ronald McDonald House, of course. And um, what a great note to end on. Yeah. Uh, thank you for joining us today, Dr. Hoffman. Thank we you, really Dr. appreciate
0: Hoffman. it a lot. We um, were idiots and now we're not as idiotic, but we're still idiots. We're still idiots. <laughs> But we know more about COVID now, so that helps, right?
1: On an ending note, here at The Golden World Co., we are proud to announce that this episode of How We Manage is not just a rebound episode that we'll leave off on and never come back to again like we did previously. This is the pilot episode for the official season one.
0: Yes. Of our podcast. And you will join us next time for a little one on one time with your favorite host and co host as we get to know them in a new and exciting way. Thank you all for your continued support of this podcast. Have a good day, and we will see you all next time on How How We
1: we Manage. manage.
0: (laughs) Jolly good show! I can't believe how far these lads have come! In recent news, 50 have been found dead in the Golden Whale Corp, All Hair the Whale, Research Facility 1. We have an eyewitness on site, but all we've been able to get out of him are the words, the skin. The executives at the Golden Whale Corp, All Hair the Whale, have commanded me to instruct you to at all costs keep away from Research Facility 1, as well as any disembodied integument. Hot chocolate, the devil's drink? Tune in next time for your mandatory update on what's going on in the Golden Whale Corp, All Hair the Whale i <laughs>